0: I think I'm having an art attack. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Art Attack with your host, art historian with multiple degrees. I'm two masters and a, and a what'd <laughs> MPhil you say and an MPhil <laughs> and MPhil of knowledge, Lizzie Dastin. And me, your other host, your co-host, Jason Boa, <laughs> Justin Boa, with the BFA. Yeah, with the BFA. I have a BFA in Illustration. Good, great. Who cares? Um, I was just telling Lizzie that nobody cares about degrees. Artists, all these artists, all you artists listening out there, if you have a degree, uh, that's great if you wanna be a teacher and if you wanna be tenured down the road, but really doesn't mean Jack shit when you want to do a job, because not one of my clients has ever asked where I went to school or what degrees I have. <laughs> do you have an MFA? Do you have a BFA? Do you have a, um, a PhD? What do you have? No one says that. They just go- talent. Or how much money am I going to have to spend really <laughs> right. at the end of the day? How much is this going to cost me? So today, Lizzie wants to talk about her favorite subject, and certainly not mine, Uh the artist Jasper Johns. I will reserve my opinion, which Lizzie already knows. I
1: think you just shared it.
0: What? Did I go? Yeah. Well, no,
1: you said my favorite topic, definitely not mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jasper Johns. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: sorry. Uh, so, Lizzie, why don't you talk about your one of your favorite artists, if not your favorite artist, and why we're talking about him today?
1: Sure. Well, I think favorite feels a little pedestrian. Of, <laughs> of course, it a does because it came out of my mouth. <laughs> well, who cares who my favorite is? I think that Jasper Johns is a really significant artist. I think that his work is important to understand, to to contextualize, and especially now it's really topical because there was an exhibition, a pretty comprehensive retrospective at the Broad of his work. So that's why we're talking about him now. The show just closed, but I think it was pretty luminous and would love to outline a few of the most significant among his works. And one of them, I believe, is the first piece that you saw entering into the Broad. So... Let me just give you a little bit of history on Johns. He was working at a really pivotal moment in the art world when we're moving, shifting from the language of abstract expressionism, like your favorite, Jackson Pollock, into the world of pop. And there are two figures who bridge this gap really articulately. One of them, Jasper Johns, the other, Robert Rauschenberg. And they kind of exist in this liminality between aesthetics. And the first work in the show, it Sorry,
0: re- can you? Ex- I I just never heard that word, liminality.
1: A liminal space is like not yet a girl or not not a girl, not yet a woman. Okay, <laughs> like Britney Spears, you know, it's an in between. Okay, it's a space that really Sorry, isn't well I have to, defined. Some, every
0: once in a while, I have to verbally check your words. Yeah, that's because fair. Because I don't, I don't know what they I don't know what they mean. I feel like a meathead sitting here. So go ahead. <laughs> and, and I don't think 99.7% of our audience did know that. So you point three percent are saying, I knew that. Obviously. Good for you. <laughs>
1: Good for you.
0: Who cares? I didn't know it. So I'm being honest. Go ahead.
1: Well, I don't think the Britney Spears has ever been associated with the concept of liminality before. So that was fun for me. Mm. Yep. So anyway, in this work, the majority of the canvas, the marks look like marks that de Kooning would make. There are these violent gestures in a range of colors, and it seems like this abs- this uh, aesthetic of abstract expressionism. And then when you go closer, you'll see that the canvas has been torn, and there are these two ready-made balls inserted into the work. And I love, of course, Johns' reference to Duchamp here, because Duchamp was the first artist to really incorporate the ready-made. But I also think it's really funny, because... The rhetoric of abstract expressionism is all this hyper-masculine, really straight, really macho, and Johns, as a gay man, is literally exposing the balls of the abstract expressionists, and so it's funny. And I think it also is coded, and his sexuality at the time, that painting must have been done in 1955 or right around then, it was not not such a permissible thing to be an open gay man. And what I love most about Johns' work is his use of code to express his queerness. Now, look, I'm not going to
0: argue with any of that. (laughs) You've layered that. It's multi-textured. You know, and I think that it, it brings me back to, like, in the canon of art history, when I think of all the amazing, brilliant artists that are out there, I've never really was able to wrap my brain around why he was an important artist. And even you waxing poetically and so eloquently, you're such an able articulate dialectician and you're able to really express your emotions and 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 his work and how powerful and meaningful his work is. You know, yet I look at it and I, I still I still don't I still can't get it and I feel like it's because it's just your your language feels way more powerful than the work feels to me, and the work has to kind of the work has to hit me. I look at like the most seminal works of ja- of Jasper Johns, right? So the two of them would be the American flag, right,
1: and the target, and
0: the target. Two things that are very base, you know, and very they're they're very almost childlike applications of those. Like it's a target, and every. Not saying every kid has painted a target, but every hillbilly in Nebraska at some point has made a target and shot arrows at it and <laughs> painted one, whether they made it from scratch or they or they made it from paper uh and certainly the American flag as well i I guess what I want is not to really criticize Jasper Johns, but for you to educate me to tell me what I'm missing. Because when I look at that American flag and I look at that target, I just see a very mundane, colorful, but yet not beautiful color. Like I see Wayne Tebow and I see his beautiful color. There's something about the, first of all, the the beauty of how thick and opaque the paint is. And in a way that's very not Kincaid, right, not Thomas Kincaid, but but Tebow does it in such a, a beautiful way, whereas color choices are magnificent. They're beautiful. And they make me feel something. I look at John's. I don't feel that. I feel like there's not an understanding of color. Color is a very sophisticated language unto itself. It's very advanced. You can be good at color. You could be great at color. And then you could be the next level, which is like, wow, you're actually playing with color on the highest level where you're fucking with my optic nerves, and it's delightful. Johns doesn't seem like he's playing with color.
1: Not in the flag work, because he wants to retain that authenticity to the original object, but he does play with texture in a really exciting way. And the way that he builds up the surface is through encaustic. So he would take these shreds of newspaper, Hmm. dip it in pigmented wax, and then layer it lovingly, almost like a decoupage. And there's a wonderful anecdote that I read somewhere that walking into John's studio, which he shared with Rauschenberg for a brief amount of time. My other and favorite I think, artist. Well, I think it's important <laughs> because when we talk about the target, hmm. to me, I have a theory about that target. But hmm. anyway, their studio, you walked in and you were just hit with these noxious, wonderful smells from the melted wax. And so I don't think color was his main vehicle of expression. Yeah, and I don't in think this it work. needs to be
0: like, and Picasso, no. Picasso was not a colorist. Uh, many artists, you know, Rene Magritte wasn't a colorist. Some artists are really not colorists whatsoever. Their, their applications are much more cerebrally inclined or texturally inclined or value infused. And, and it doesn't mean that the, there's Vouillard, there's Bonnard, there's Degas. Those guys are colorists. Monet is a total colorist. He's studying color. He's studying light. He's keying his paintings. He's studying atmosphere. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's experiencing nighttime painting versus daytime painting. I mean, you know, how are the lilies at night? And how are the lilies during the day? How are they in an overcast day? How are they on a cold day? How are they in a hot day? And you could see that reflected. The haystacks is a great example of that. And I'm not, knocking Johns for that. I just don't get it. Like, I really feel like, and I feel like our viewers out there don't get it as well. And because art is not, you're you're deep in the culture of art. You've studied it. You've read probably Weird books that no one ever read on (laughs) Jasper John's. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, damn, I never realized that what he did on April 17th, (laughs) 1952, was after he walked to the store. He, you know, and so people aren't looking and dissecting that deeply into
1: Jasper John's said he would buy the flowers himself. Sorry, weird Virginia Woolf reference. Anyway, I'm going to take this a little bit. I love that you reference Rene Magritte because. That is actually a super appropriate person to talk about in ce line. N'est pas un
0: pipe, alors... Exactly.
1: Ce, ce n'est pas un pipe.
0: Mais oui, je suis pas français, évidemment. Oh, oui.
1: un peu. So anyway, for those of you who have seen that painting or don't know that painting, Magritte is a European surrealist painter, and he did this one incredibly smart work. Well, he did many, but this is my favorite. It's a painting of a pipe with the text below it, "Sassine ne pas un pipe, which means this is not a pipe. And the easy gag is, well, of course it's a pipe. Ha ha, there it is. I'm looking at a pipe right there, so when you tell me it's not, I know that it is. But in fact, it is not a pipe. It's a representation of a pipe. Mm. And so Magritte here... Constructs in order to deconstruct the relationship between text and image. Mm. And what is it that we expect when we see text? And automatically, we're going to come up with some sort of associative meaning between the text and the image. And so, very cool that you referenced him because John's, although he did a series of flags in the first one that he did, there's actually an image, a little secret code and secret is really. A, a running force through throughout a lot of his projects. And one of them is of a pipe. And I'm not sure if it was a shred of newspaper that somehow referenced Magritte, but that he was aware of his legacy within Magritte's culture of creating something. It's not a flag. It's a rendition of a flag. So he does not take the American flag and just stick it on a canvas. He's creating an image, an artifice of that symbol, just like Magritte Mm -hmm. was doing with the pipe. So what's important about the flag is not just in the way that he thwarts Duchampian strategies. And what I mean by that is that Duchamp would have used a real flag. And Johns created it. There's still a loving mastery of attention to making and with Duchamp, making <laughs> is not important.
0: You said that you used the word loving mastery of making. I thought you were gonna be yeah. like loving mastery of technical application, but you didn't say that. No. There was just an emotional <laughs> there was an emotional energy that you just gave him and thereby makes him sound like what he did was great. But I look at it and Manny, do you know what flag that we're talking about? Did you look it up? Do you like that? Wait, I'm so wait, sorry. I'm not done okay, arguing okay. for it. But, okay. I, but, so, but I'm curious to ask somebody outside of our little insular thing just if we may for a moment, Manny, yes or no? Just give me a yes or no. I do like
1: this. Yes, oh, thank God. you, Manny. <laughs> I like the newspaper under it. Like I, before she said it, I was looking at that like, what is that? Yeah, the okay. texture is really stunning. It's not quite a sculpture. It's not quite a painting. And what word might you use to describe not being one thing or another?
0: Shit. no Liminality. Com- I was going to say a combine.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's that was what Raschenberg did, right. but he did it in a more explicit way. So anyway, in the 1950s, mm. what is going on politically? It's a question. Everything. Yeah, the Cold War, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: McCarthyism.
1: Exactly. So you cannot see a symbol that is a symbol meant to illustrate our country's moral compass and not have it be shaped by Cold War politics. But the American flag is so ubiquitous that mm-hmm. we never look at it. Mm-hmm. And that is the same for a target. It is just, it's such an everyday object mm-hmm. that we don't really see it. And so Johns is asking us to uh, to actually look, to see, to perceive, to feel, to have a reaction. And I think that is the most stunning aspect of his practice and with the target, I love that because to me, I see that as this complete hidden secret messaging of his homosexuality. And I, you're looking at me with no, I'm just thinking <laughs> about when, when is this podcast
0: over? Because I'm just like, I have nothing. I, I, it's, it's one of the only ones where I, I can't, I just still can't get over the how conceptual, conceptual, conceptual it is. You know, but I it's just,
1: literal. It's a flag. It's I not know. a concept. I, but
0: but it, no. But that's conceptual. What yeah. are you talking about? It's a. This is a representation of America without hitting yourself over the head like a Duchamp would have done it. Or, it to me. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like it's emotional. So if it really does trigger something, and clearly it does, because look, Johns is living in the Broad. Johns is living in major museums across the world. Johns is clearly written into the gardener and into into uh, art history, books uh, everywhere. So once again that doesn't make it great for me it has to it has to hit me somewhere. I could understand what you're saying and how interesting that is, especially in the context of art history in 1950s. Now was Johns a guy that came up through Castelli? As well.
1: He was.
0: Okay, so w- so once again, there I would also argue uh not diminishing him in, in any way, but saying that, you know, Costelli would anoint you, right? So if it was if it was Warhol, if it was Rauschenberg, whoever it was, it came up through the system, right? Through that system that made you, or Basquiat came up through that system, Warhol came up through that system. A lot of artists that were very successful came up through that system, and Leo Costelli basically Wasn't had an art gallery and he was a dealer and he basically made you, you know, it was like the mafia that you're made or you're not made. You're, you know, the capo de tutti capi made you or he didn't make you. So these people were made men. Uh, would you say that that was something that elevated his work to the to the was able to because there's probably a lot of people that were important artists that just never got their work out there,
1: of course. But being anointed by Castelli absolutely Mm -hmm. served in John's favor. And there's a story about Castelli and Johns that I think is kind of funny, too. So, Johns had a big show at Castelli's gallery in 1958. And of all the works shown in that space, only two didn't sell. Mm. One was a white version of the flag that Johns kept for himself. And another was a target with all of these various faces, or it's one face and then various cast body parts on the top. And so to me, that really begs the question, what made that particular work so unfit for purchase? And we can go back to that if you, if you want, but to reiterate and reinforce your point about Castelli's his judgment of an artist as really launching their career, uh, John's, Overheard, oh, now I'm going to get the story a little bit wrong, but basically he said Castelli could sell, or de Kooning said this, that's what it was. He's like, Castelli could sell two cans of beer, Mm -hmm. which is true. You know, if if Castelli says it, then it's great. So John's, as kind of a subversive joke, he cast two beer cans. And one of them was open, so there's a little variety between the beer cans themselves. So mm. one is open a little and it's empty, and so you can feel that it has more of a weightlessness. And one is sealed and full. And he cast it. He painted them to look like they were actual beer cans, mm. and he gave them to Costelli to sell. And of course, Costelli did. <laughs> of
0: course. <laughs> you know, I, I when I went to the Arts Center Culture Design in Pasadena in the in the 90s, I took a bunch of conceptual classes and I feel like, uh, I wasted my time because it was a lot of that, you know, it was a lot of like, we're going to cast a beer can and we're going to make a box and paint it, or we're going to put together a combine. And I feel like for my particular personal roadmap and my career, that was never really beneficial for me. And I feel like, uh, I'm glad that I experienced it because I never was a fan of conceptual art. Uh, Although there is conceptual art out there that is great, but I'm, you know, it's not my thing. It's not like something that's on the top of my list of what I love, but I'm glad that I experienced it because I know, I know a lot of how it's really just bullshit and it really is because I I remember like doing these projects in class and how everyone would just get up there and. Go on, you know, monologue about some crazy bullshit, and then come back and be like, yo, man, I fucking just did that, man. I just fucking bullshit in my way. And the teacher would be like, Wow, that's great. I had this teacher named Phil Hayes who was friends with Warhol. Uh was the guy who did the Rolling Stones logo of that's tattooed on Manny's wrist of the mouth with the tongue open. And he spoke like this and he would just he had this guy that he loved his name was James Fish he became a pretty substantial artist I know when he left arts I don't know what happened to his fine art career but he would he would he would just love you to just go crazy and talk about the crazies make these analogies and and metaphors and, and and draw from things that weren't even true but you could sell them or not sell them i feel like that's how leo castelli had the power of influence where he was probably had the gift of gab a silver tongue and he was able to Manipulate the buyers. And I feel like Phil Hayes was teaching that to his students. And he had one student named James Fish. And, James, why don't you get up and talk about your show? It sounded like Thurston Hell from Gilligan's Island. He was like, <laughs> I want James to talk about this piece. This piece is just riveting. It's changing the game right now. Just, James, just get up there and just, just do your thing. Just go. And we used to make these boxes. And that was like Phil Hayes' whole class. Like we would make these fucking boxes, these three-dimensional boxes, and they were like theater. And you had to, you know, put characters in them and dress it up. And it was weird. It was like a, you know, it was like a teenage or, you know, dollhouse of of sorts. And we would have to but they were fine art, because at the time the box was like the hottest shit in the world. But James Fish's boxes were shit. And that's that's how it was. And I just got a good taste of all of my conceptual classes, how much bullshitting you had to do. And then in my other classes, it was much more about the piece selling itself. Like, don't talk about it. Just put it up. You know, like in uh, this guy Rodriguez's class, he used to line up the work from best to worst. So it was completely, yeah, it was brutal. It was like completely subjective, right? Now, let me
1: ask you, though, because when you say conceptual, I get it if we're talking about Manzoni who sealed his poop in a can But with Johns, there was so much connection between his technical skill set and the actual work that he's a maker, and he's not a conceptual thinker in the way that you typically describe. Mm -hmm. And he also went to a bunch of art schools and got lots of degrees, and I know that that's also something that you reference at times. So what about him makes his art conceptual?
0: Well, I would, uh, I, would uh, I would, ask a question with a question. Oh, good. How about that? Zoolander. <laughs> uh, and I would say, like, we're, I don't even know, what is his background of art training? Do you know? Well, I Have know. Have you seen anything that he did that wasn't abstract or conceptual or.
1: See, he didn't do concept, anything that was. Concept
0: driven. Okay, right. Because he didn't I mean do anything
1: abstract. And I'm sure I've gone on this little tangent before, but I think it's actually incorrect to say abstract, because everything is a reference, even if it's Mm -hmm. just an energetic one, a psychological one, an an impulse to something else. So Mm -hmm. you can say it's an abstracted form of the American flag. It's Mm -hmm. an abstracted concept, but nothing is inherently abstract. So the more correct way of saying that is non-objective. So objective versus non-objective imagery. But Johns paints objectively, and he incorporates... Language and symbols and signs that we recognize. We know it's a target. We know it's a cast face. Mm -hmm. We know it's it's a flag. So he's not really an abstract artist. I believe that he abstracts themes, but the actual work itself is pretty literal.
0: Is Jones alive today?
1: He is. He's 87. Still alive. And I know that we that you are running out of patience for talking about his work, so I just want to talk very briefly about the Not target. Out of
0: patience, I just don't really have too much interest. To say.
1: <laughs> no, you have a lot. It's it's cool to get to disentangle someone who is so iconic. But why? And part of that is, of course, because of Castelli. But why was Castelli so compelled? And I think the history is very important. The fact that he's a transitional figure and also just the sheer power of the work itself. If I were to see it and to line up work from most valuable to least, I think of John's as having a tremendous amount to say. And for me personally, what's most interesting that he speaks of is this experience of being a gay man in the 1950s Mm. and feeling like he had to hide the relationship that he had with Rauschenberg. Now, there's a saint, St. Sebastian, who was martyred at, I think it was the time of Diocletian, and the way that he was killed was that, or he actually didn't die from this. Anyway, the way that he was martyred was by being tied to a tree and and shot repeatedly with arrows, exactly. Mm. And many artists have depicted St. Sebastian. Mm -hmm. And Saint Sebastian has become an appropriated symbol for the queer community. Mm. And I think this is probably because if the look on his face is kind of ecstatic, mm. kind of painful, and also he is penetrated by multiple phalluses, mm. right? So these are experiences that I think the queer community can relate to. And what is a target if not a reference to the act of penetration by a phallus? So I think that John's oh a lot
0: of reading into
1: it. I, I actually don't I mean, think it's that big anything. of a stretch. A
0: target could be the you know the core of your of humanity. It could be the, what is
1: a target if not a reference to archery and maybe drunken da- darts at a bar. You have to be drunk to play. Whatever. Dance. All right, yeah. fine. So darts and archery <laughs> <laughs> and me being drunk. But I mean, a target
0: is you know. Once again, we're getting into a very esoteric conversation that we could go. We could talk about that infinitely you know, a target to my heart, a target of conviction, a target of anything. So I hear you. I'm not discounting. Uh, I, I I like, you know, when I look at Warhol in retrospect, I, I like Warhol. I think Warhol is an important artist in the context of art history. And, and you go back 2020 hindsight, you see how his work influenced and how it was really such a great reflection of how horribly superficial and materialistic our culture was you know what i mean like there's some to me i grab i get so much from that and and i'm not saying that i'm completely closed minded to not seeing that but i i don't feel it i think feeling it is so important for me and I don't feel Warhol either, by the way. And I don't feel René Magritte either. I don't feel like he's an emotional artist. I think he's an intellectual artist. He's a cerebral artist. He makes you think. He takes you, you know, from one dimension into another, you know, in a in an acid kind of way. But I don't feel like he's a supreme, powerful, emotional painter that I like. The the guys like Edvard Munch or Toulouse Lautrec who were to me, bringing me into an emotional stratosphere that's heart-centric. I feel more inclined to those artists. So that's a personal taste. But then I can appreciate Warhol. I can appreciate Magritte. I can appreciate uh, Grant Wood. I could appreciate those kind of artists, too, that aren't as, um, don't have as much emotional conviction. I look at John's, and you could read anything into it. And it's my subjective upbringing and, and my perspective that tells me that I'm not feeling that. And maybe if I looked at it and I was really high one day and I just kind of like just absorbed the painting, maybe I would find something there for me. But I've read the art history books on Johns. I've seen Johns in person. You're telling me about it. And it sur- it sounds really great. It really does. It sounds like he's an important artist. But I'm, but I'm still...
1: No, but it's that visceral exchange that you don't really feel. And to me, what gets you into more of a heart space than your feelings about your country and your feelings about a love that dare not speak its name? So to Mm -hmm. me, that's just the most emotional, the most vulnerable. And the fact that he couldn't create any sort of homage to the relationship that he was in Mm -hmm. because... Of the conditions of the time. That yeah. to me is really tragic and upsetting. That the is fact tragic. that he would that's, have to code. Absolutely. Yeah, that so, is so to me, that's emotional. It is also cerebral. Absolutely. But
0: you know the story. But sure. you see, you're not telling me that you are seeing the art at face value and you're you're getting that. You have to know the backstory. And that's the issue with with abstracted art, conceptual art, oftentimes is you have to be. You have to be in the know. You have to be in the know of knowing the story in order to get a bigger story. So that's fine because. All right. Well,
1: now we're all in the know. Now you're in the know. So does this change your perception a little bit of yes. John's work?
0: Yes. it does. I think it does. I think it does. I think uh, it doesn't hit me personally, but but I but I value his experiences, and and I think that you know I could feel you know, that. Isolation and and uh, just the pain and suffering of not being able to express who you truly are, and if it's coming out subtly as a as a bullseye or in, Amer- or in your work whatsoever, that's something I can appreciate. I'm not looking at it still going. Well, I love that painting, but you know, once again, it comes down to most people are getting the American flag because it g- goes well with the couch. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody knows the story. Like, many people don't know the story like you do, but Manny had a visceral reaction to it well, and he likes it because he thought it was cool. Was it something that you would hang in your couch over your... Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's still an American flag. And when I was on the United States Stamp Committee, I could tell you we did flag American flags nonstop. All all day long, every day, we just did American flags.
1: Did you ever do Johns as American flags? I don't
0: remember. I, I don't... Oh, you should. I don't know if it's possible until he's dead if you're representing him he has to be dead first in order for a certain amount of time before you can do it
1: except if it's in another country cuz my grandfather was on a stamp in Ghana super random but uh-huh yeah but maybe it's different if it's his work and no, not no, no, his image it, there's
0: there's a there's a window of time where you you have to be past uh i, I think in order to be on a stamp, there might be an exception to president, and there's certain people that came very fast, like Maya Angelou came very fast. Uh, but then that the rules changed after her stamp. Uh, besides, there was a lot of con, you know confusion about that quote that wasn't her quote. It turns out so that was a whole nightmare, and that's why there has to be time that elapses in between so that the skeletons come out of the closet. So you can't do a stamp right away. Just in case. There's a just in case factor. The shit's all fucked up and things come out. Not good. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) okay. Well, look guys, uh, whether you agree with me and you're not really necessarily a fan of Jasper John's work, the story is very interesting. His, His life is interesting, but you have to look into these things yourself. Like Lizzie, Lizzie loves him, and that's great. And she knows a lot about him, a lot more than I do. I'm acting from a much more uh, just seeing, experiencing point of view without too much information. Obviously, I've read things about Johns and art history books about him, and I've seen his work, and I've talked about his work, but I probably haven't read the 80,000 books that Lizzie has on Jasper Johns and his life story. But who cares? You need to experience it yourself and if you care about art and you love art, look Jasper Johns up and write us and tell us, do you like it? How do you feel about it? Really, art is, art is very interesting because it's a conversation sparker and it's a, it's a mentally provocative and makes you think and feel and it's interesting. So you got to go deep into your own journey and see if you if you, you want to talk to us about it.
1: Yeah. And tell us what you think and whether these stories that we illustrated shape your reaction to the work or whether you like Justin would prefer to just have the the formal experience of seeing something and what it is that either grabs you or doesn't. So keep us in the loop and thanks for listening. And thank you to our sponsor, Tommy John. I love your underwear. So happy that you launched female a female line because it was awkward that I just kept on wearing men's underwear and uh, check out tommyjohn.com and make sure that you enter art attack as a promo code for a magical 20% off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peace. Until next time.